like all of us, it's a journey. And sometimes we find ourselves wavering, even on the lessons that we have learned in times past. To find contentment in, in one season of our life doesn't mean we always have it in every season of our life. We need to stay close to Jesus to continually know this type of contentment. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Finishing out our study in the book of Philippians, and we've enjoyed going through this passage of Scripture with you. Paul closes out his letter. He's addressing the gift that he had received through the hands of Epaphroditus. And their gift caused Paul to teach not only about giving, but also about the contentment that he had learned as a follower of Christ. So as I was looking at chapter 4 a few weeks ago and thinking about how I would divide up this chapter, it has this natural break as he has this transition from kind of a wrapping up of the letter. But the result of this letter came as a result of this gift that was given to him. He had much to say to the church in Corinth, a lot to express about the joy and the rejoicing, as we learned last week, I believe it was some 12 times in 10 verses, where he referred to just the word rejoice or rejoiced, as we see in verse 10. This is a letter of joy that he's sending back. And here we find one of the reasons for Paul's rejoicing was in a gift that was given to him. Now, I know that we don't do a lot of uh, pushing on tithing or giving, really don't talk a lot about it from the pulpit, but you're going to hear it today because we're here in Scripture where Paul is writing about the gift that he had received. And he's also writing about something that he had learned. He says it twice, I have learned And some things that he had learned, that of contentment. And so the gift and the giver, as we look at today, those things which Paul has learned. I know when we deal with stewardship, as it's referred to in church life, I remember hearing that word throughout my life growing up in church, that we need to be good stewards of God's gifts to us. And, And we talk about stewardship. And it really means that it refers to an individual who manages somebody else's properties, finances, or a household for someone else. And so the thought behind stewardship in church life is that God has given us all the blessings that we have. We're managing the gifts of God that he has given to us in our hands, and it's how we use those gifts. What do we do with those gifts? Do we use them for ourselves in a 
And granted, we have a right to provide, to feed our families and to house ourselves in that way and to use these gifts in that way. But also there is this thought of giving back to the Lord those gifts which he has given to us. And and this is a lesson. It's a study on, on giving back and, and Paul here rejoicing in the gifts that have been given to him. I had learned about tithing, about giving to the church. Well, as a child, I remember we used to get a whole dollar a week allowance. That might be a lot for some, and it was a lot for us back then. We had a especially great bonus every month as children growing up. Our parents, at the end of the month, would give us an additional $5. So every week, $1. And then at the end of the month, we'd get 6 And that was big bucks, man. I could take my buddies out to, well, there's a place called Zippy's in Zion back in the day. And you'd get a Zuper Burger. But I was taught early on that, you know, if the Lord gives us a dollar, we give a tenth back to him. And I was taught that lesson as a child, but it wasn't until I was 17 years old that my dad asked me, I'd been working at Jewel for over a year, and he says, are you tithing on the income that you receive? And I was like, well, no. And yet I took the challenge from my dad and began to tithe with the income that the Lord had given me, carried it into our marriage. We've been faithful. And I'm not saying that to brag. It's a lesson that I learned from my father, who learned the lesson himself right after he had his first heart surgery. He went back to work the job that he had done before he had the heart surgery. He could no longer do, so he got reduced to a different job, a desk job, that earned less money. But it was during that time that my dad told my mom, I think we should start tithing to the Lord off our income. You just got cut in pay. You were making $75 a week, and now you're not even making that. And now you want to take the income that you're getting and give a tenth of that back to the church. This is not logical. And and it isn't in our minds. It's not logical. And dad said, well, let's test it for a year. I'm so glad that they learned that lesson because they were able to pass that lesson on to me. And I hope in some ways, perhaps I'll challenge us as a church once again and and pass some of the lessons that I also learned, not only from my parents, but from the Lord through this portion of Scripture. It really means a lot to me because there's this verse that keeps playing back in my head. Has for several years, it's found in verse 12 that says, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. And I'll, I'll explain that when we get to it. But that portion of scripture, uh, the Lord used to teach me a lesson in giving. Like all of us, it's a journey. And sometimes we find ourselves wavering, even on the lessons that we have learned in times past. To find contentment in, in one season of our life doesn't mean we always have it in every season of our life. We need to stay close to Jesus to continually know this type of contentment. Nevertheless, you have done well that I share in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but only you, verse 16, for even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessity. And on the second missionary journey, after Paul and Silas had visited All the churches that Paul and Barnabas had visited on the first missionary journey, Paul wanted to go to Asia, and God said through the Holy Spirit, you can't go there. Then he 
thought, maybe I'll go to Bethany. And he was prevented from the Holy Spirit to go there. And then the Lord gave the great Macedonian call and Paul and Silas. And by that time, Luke and Timothy was with him. They ended up in in Philippi. And it was the first place that the gospel was preached in all of Europe. And Lydia was the first one to be saved in all of Europe, according to Scripture. But also we find that this church continued to be a support to Paul. This, when he's writing this letter, some 12 plus years later, they're still supporting him in the ministry. And I was thinking, I wonder if he went to Asia against the will of the Lord, if he he ended up in Asia or if he ended up in Bethany, would he have missed the opportunity of knowing a church that would be with him and support him through the trials that he would go through through his life when he was not even ministering in their community, but in the mission field somewhere else, like he mentioned twice in Thessalonica, supporting him in the ministry there. That perhaps if Paul would have refused to have been obedient to the Spirit of God, he would have never known this great gift that was given to him through this church in Philippi. From the very beginning, we know that when Lydia became saved and her family also became believers in Jesus Christ, that she constrained them. She convinced them basically that they should stay in her house, that she would provide for them while they were doing ministry in her community. But we find here that that support for the ministry didn't stop with the time that they ministered there, but continued on while he ministered to other parts of uh, the European area there. And even when he was in prison, and a lot of times I wondered, I was thinking about this, if I ended up in jail for some reason, I don't want to end up in jail. But if I ended up in jail for some reason, I wonder how much support any pastor would get in that situation. Oh, he's in prison. You know, God's not blessing him. We're not going to help him. Paul was in prison and God was using Paul. If Paul hadn't been in prison, we wouldn't be reading this letter right now. It was a means for which I think God had to slow Paul down. That I got some letters for you to write, Paul. And it's real important because some 2,000 years later, the church is still going to be reading and learning from these letters. But you're so busy out and about all the time. I think I need to just settle you down for a while. And you can do some things for me. You can pray. You can pray for the churches that you've ministered to. And while you're in prison, I'm going to raise up other leaders. Those churches will be fine. But you can support them through your prayers. But also you can write to them. There's some things that I want to say through you. And, and I think I need to slow you down. And while he was in prison, this church continued to support him in the ministry there. And they were sharing the resources with this man of God. In Galatians 6, 6, Paul wrote, Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Now, Paul didn't say that giving to support a minister or a mission or a church is wrong because he wrote here, Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. And so we have a responsibility to support those who are in the ministry. In Hebrews 10, 34, many believe that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. The author we know is in prison from this verse. He says, for you had compassion on me in my chains, but it's not signed. So unlike all of the other letters of Paul, this one is not signed. So we're not 
Can't be 100% sure that it was Paul, but many believe that it was. But in Hebrews 10.34, For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accept the plundering of your goods. He says, I joyfully accept the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. And this kind of gets us into verse 17, where he says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. When we give an offering to the Lord that God is going to use this offering and he's making note of it, we'll know and we'll learn. It's not that we gloat. If you want to gloat about the offerings while you're here, and I've been in danger of that while I've been preaching today because I've been telling you some of my stories, things that the Lord has taught me. I've told you these stories, hopefully to encourage you in your own giving. But if I do that in a way of pride, look at what the Lord has done through Lily and I, and then I've blown my gift in heaven today. And I don't want to blow my gifts in heaven. That when we give, I, I want the Lord to say, oh, thank you, John, for your service. I've taken what little you had, and look what I did with that. Look what I did with it. People pray when you give gifts to them. They pray to Jesus. They thank Jesus. You know, in a few months, and it's going to be happening in the next few months, there's going to be children from all points of the world opening up these tiny little boxes. And there's going to be prayers said over the gifts that are given in the shoe boxes that we collected. The last count I heard was 145 shoe boxes coming out of this church. There's going to be moms and dads, perhaps pastors, um, missionaries that are going to use these boxes, give them to the children and be able to teach the love of Christ. But there's going to be great praise. And perhaps, and we've seen it before, we'll get a letter back from one of the, one of the recipients. And it's, it's great to get a letter back to find out where the box went and who received it and find the story, backstory to that. But just to know in the gift that's given that there'll be prayers, you're reaping an abundance from that. You know, we've done the bunk bed ministry with Love, Inc. It originated from this church in this community, I just read about another Love, Inc. doing a similar thing. And so when we did our first share fest, I proposed, let's build some bunk beds. And we did attempted to do 50 beds out in this parking lot. We accomplished 25 that day. But that began, which at this point, we or myself, I a couple of times have helped on other teams. But I, in my head, I have this count of 165 beds that I've personally been involved with, but I'm not the only one building now. There's other churches who are building uh, these beds. There was a Eagle Scout who built five sets this year. You know, it's, it's a ministry that continues on. But one of these beds is very special to me in this sense, in this regard, thinking about people praying for the giver, those who received because one time I learned about a need. It was someone that I kind of knew at the time, and our relationship grew uh, since that time. But he, he was asking about the bunk bed project, and I thought he was asking about it for his church. And so I was telling him, well, this is what we do. And I was kind of going through the whole project. And he goes, no, you don't understand. My, I have two boys who are sleeping on the floor. I said, oh, you need a bunk bed. Oh, no problem, man. We'll get you one. Because I had this relationship with this individual, I said, man, I'm going to give them a nice one. So I took one of the beds that we built. They're not all nice. They're not all pretty, but they've gotten better if we have our hands in it. 
Um, but I took one of those beds that was built and I took and did the more than one coat of the stain in polyurethane and I mean, you know, sanding and then taking still wool and shining it. And then it was the nicest bed that was produced. And then we delivered and it was set up. And then this is really what I want to get at. It wasn't the fact that we gave the bed. That's a blessing. That's just something that we've been involved in doing. But then Lily had cancer. And then I heard from the same gentleman that as his boys were praying before they went to bed at night, one of the boys said, Dad, the guy who built the bed for us, his wife is sick, right? We need to pray for her. And they were praying for Lily while she was going through that difficult time in her life. Because we gave a gift, and then we got a gift in return in abundance through the prayers of these children. For the gift that we had given, I think the gift was greater to us in the prayers of these children that was given back. That's what Paul is referring to. The abundance that comes as he began. I rejoice in the Lord. We give a gift. It may be a shoebox and there's a child across the other side of the world in Africa rejoicing in the Lord that the gift that they had received. Rejoicing in the Lord for the one who packed it. And maybe that gift came right out of this fellowship. It might be a, a bed that's in the community here in Lake County somewhere that, that children are rejoicing over. But Maybe when they're an adult, they'll remember back that time that they were sleeping on the floor. And now there was some church group that came and delivered this bed. And they had something that they could sleep on that was a decent frame and mattress for them until they went off to be on their own. I don't know how far these beds will go, but they're built to last. You never know the impact that God can have in these gifts, though it may be small. It might be like that. A little boy with his five loaves and two fish, and God can take it and multiply it through his church and do great things. But there is more to this that Paul is referring to, because when he says the fruit that abounds to your account in verse 18, that he says, I have all I am full. I received it from Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice well-pleasing to God. He says it's not just the praise that might come out of the lips of individual while here on this earth, a prayer that might be uttered by someone who receives the gift. But in heaven, God sees these things as a sacrifice. They're well-pleasing. They're a sweet-smelling aroma. In the Old Testament, they talk, in, especially in Leviticus, setting up the sacrificial offerings. You know, a sin offering was not a sweet-smelling aroma. The, that isn't written about the sin offering, but a peace offering, um, a fellowship offering, it's described as a sweet-smelling aroma. It's, I like barbecue. I kind of understand it in the sense of, man, when there's good barbecue going on, that smells good, you know, perhaps. But it could be anything. It doesn't have to be an offering that is offered on the fire of an altar, but an offering that is offered from our hands. Perhaps it's something we give monetarily or, or we give our time or we give something we make or, or just being in the process. Someone else made it, but we helped deliver it. That These are sweet-smelling aromas to the Lord. They're blessing others but they're a blessing to God that we're sharing with those things that he has given us to share with others. In verse 19, he says, My God shall supply 
all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. As Paul's speaking to the church in Corinth, he's talking about giving there in 2 Corinthians 9. It's really from verse 1 through 15, but in verses 10 through 15, he says this, and now may he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Again, the gifts that you have sown, the fruits that you have given, causes thanksgiving through us to God. We give gifts and other people give thanks to God for the gifts that we have given. Verse 12, for the administration of the service not only supplies the need of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to Christ Jesus, for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his incredible gift that we get to be part of this process when we give to our local church, when we give to a missions organization, when we take the time and maybe it's not resources, but we have time and we say, you know what, I'm going to donate my time and serve the Lord in this way. And we're part of the process where others are receiving the gifts that are given and they are praying, the receiver is praying to God and God is being glorified through these gifts, these offerings, these sacrifices. It's great to be on all ends of this. To say that I have learned, that I know contentment, and it's not always easy. It's easy to have contentment when things are abounding. We lived almost through a 20-year period in our nation where many were abounding. Not so the last few years. It's harder to find that contentment in times that we live in now. But to trust in the Lord, and no matter what situation, to be faithful, to continue to serve Him, not only with our presence, but with the, I mean, attending church and stuff, but with the things that He has given us to share with each other. You know, if this church didn't come together and pull their resources together, we would not be a church. We would not exist. It doesn't exist off one person's gift. It exists off all of us kind of sharing in the, and doing our part. And as we're reminded in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, that let each one give as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly. Oh, Pastor John really stepped on my toes to get home. Oh, not that way. I don't want it that way. God doesn't want it that way. Not out of necessity. Well, I guess we have to. But God loves a cheerful giver that God puts it in your heart and then you can give and maybe learn a lesson like I learned so many years ago to where it becomes fun. God, this is fun. Can I give you more? And I found that I cannot give God. My dad used to say that all the time. Verse 21, greet every saint in Christ Jesus and brethren who are with me, greet you and all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. So it's final farewells. He says, greet every saint. So the letter is being delivered. He basically saying, please share this letter. Send them greetings from me. 
the brethren here in Rome send greetings to you, but especially those who are in the household of Caesar, whether they were soldiers, servants, or relatives. Uh, Paul being in that prison is producing fruit, and believers are being birthed in that place. And then he closes by saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. This simply reminded me once again of, of a hymn that was written in 1910 by Julia Johnstone titled, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. And the first verse and chorus reads this way. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin. And Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter to the church in Philippi. I thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of men and women throughout the ages that we have our Bibles and we're able to read from this letter and to learn from it. And Father, it's, it's been a lesson on giving today and on tithing and, and finding contentment in all the different circumstances of our life. And thank you, Lord Jesus, and we praise you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Oh,